everybody. Thank you uh, for joining the podcast. And I have a special guest here today. We're spending um, a few weeks talking about spirituality and mental health. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have access to a handful of experts. And I got one here with me today, Dr. Larry Pemberton. Uh, Larry, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for the privilege and opportunity. I'm glad you feel that way. Hey, um, I know I know you a little bit, but maybe some folks listening don't. Would you give us just a, a quick bio, uh, how you got here, and then we'll see where it takes us from there. My life is best understood like reading the Hebrew Bible. You read it backwards. <laughs> okay. And it makes more sense. Okay. Um, Interesting. So the best point I have is I've been married 50 years. There we go. And I'm 70 years old. <laughs> you can't take those two from me. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up third generation in a Pentecostal denomination. My dad was a minister uh, slash administrator. He had business education. We moved around a lot. Um, I went to Lee College, 1972. Yeah. Yep. And uh, graduated with a degree in biblical education and hit the world with a black suit and a big Bible. Yeah, you did. And was trying to teach Greek, uh, all of that stuff. So for 37 years, I did that, uh, about half of which is administrative, associate dean of students at Lee, yeah. family ministries coordinator. Um, so in a real way, kind of following in your father's footsteps because he did some of the... Don't say that. Yeah. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That, that, uh, we're talking attachment issues. That brings up a lot of pain. Gotcha. Uh, but no, kind of, yeah. Um, and uh, I was an administrative bishop in the Rocky Mountain region, uh, pastored. The longest term was out in Yakima, Washington, about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, came back to be uh, superintendent of Smoky Mountain Home for Children. This is for another session, but <laughs> that's where that relationship came to an end. So long story short, I, I left that, which was, I was 50, and it was 2008. Yeah. And it was a difficult time, and I went from making too much money to no money, mm. uh, struggled for a while with mailing out resumes and too prideful at that age to go back and do what you had to do to get your license. I see. Uh, and and I'll talk to you about my involvement in mental health later, but mm-hmm. I had education, but no license. I didn't need it. So after I sold timeshare for a while and whole body vibration equipment at Lily's as seen on TV, I said, okay, God, <laughs> I think I'm ready and humbled. And so I got my license, and uh, I've been doing this in one shape or another for about 16 years, including private practice, seven 90-day assignments uh, for the Department of Defense, doing counseling on military bases around the world. Wow. Um, <laughs> Do you want to say a bit about that? That sounds, that sounds like, a, like a potentially very difficult, difficult mission. It was... An incredible mission doing the work, but if you can imagine a program operated by a giant insurance company and the government, all of that part <laughs> was said. a mess. <laughs> sure. But 90 days, I got great uh, per diems, great pay, hotel assignments, car rentals, 
My wife's a teacher, so when she was out of school, she'd come to wherever I was. We got to go to Paris, London. Mm. Last assignment was South Korea. She was with me. Um, I didn't go grow up in the military, but learning military people mm. is, was just such a rich experience. Yeah, I could and see that. The 90 days was intentional. You didn't get too deep into You weren't there to do mm. extensive psychotherapy. Right. You know? Yeah, more triage, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, a lot of military people do not go to their military mental health because the HIPAA laws are different. Mm. And those mental health people are obligated to talk to the commander and oh, say, Billy here is, you know, he's got bipolar issues. He's not fit for duty. And Billy's career is over. Mm-hmm. They could talk to me, and I can say I can help you find out if you're bipolar, but I can't do anything about it. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, so you get to travel the world. Somebody else paying for it is the way to travel the yeah, world. That's the way to go. You know, <laughs> and when you got 90 day assignments in a rental car, I, I was able to see places. I've been to Flanders in Belgium and walked through the old trenches mm. from World War One. Wow. I've been to Hitler's um, Eagle's Nest. In wow. the German Alps, I went to the 200th anniversary live reenactment of the Battle of Waterloo on the field at Waterloo. Wow. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. You don't get to do that mm-hmm. if you're not doing something like that. That played out. Mm-hmm. They changed the contract, made it nine months. So I came back and I took a position at uh, Morgan County Correctional Complex. Okay. Two and a half years working with inmates, 2,000 of them. Oof. and uh, Another intense assignment. Yeah. Um, mm. Terrified my wife. Mm. I couldn't have my <laughs> phone in there, so every day I had to call her immediately. How are you? But, again, it was administered by an insurance company with a contract with the state, mm-hmm. and so that part became intolerable. I see. Working with the inmates was great. Mm. Kind of a side note, my bio, I now work as an emotionally focused therapist with Healing Hearts Mm -hmm. uh, Counseling in Knoxville. And on the website, I mention all these things. And I have got clients because one of them had been in prison. Yeah. And they think, okay, we can talk to this guy. Or they've been in military, Mm -hmm. you know. Of course. Um, So, yeah, that's that's all of that. Along the way, uh, when I was trying to avoid getting my license, a close friend of mine was head of the graduate program in HR at UT, and he said, come over and get a degree in HR. You've been doing HR. So I did 18 hours and then woke up one day in class with a bunch of 12-year-olds and said, I got a PhD. Yeah, I don't need this. (laughs) But I made connections there and Mm. got a job. In fact, I'm still listed as adjunct faculty. And for 10 years, I was a leadership development coach in four of their boutique um, 11-month MBA programs. Oh, I see. So that was sort of on the side. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, done a lot of stuff. Done some stuff. That's right. A lot of stuff. (laughs) But there's been a a real turn toward mental health in the last uh, quite a few years now. And um, you and I were talking um, about all sorts of things, but yep, yep. we ended up talking about attachment. 
And it's something I knew almost nothing about. And now I know one degree more than nothing, um, but at your prodding. And it's really, really rich, fascinating stuff. So um, if you would, since that's our subject for today, yeah, just like we've never heard it before, um, lay down the, lay the foundation. What are we talking about when we're talking about attachment? Attachment is a little bit fuzzy, but it's enduring emotional connection with the primary caregiver. Okay. Uh, John Bowlby, sort of the father of attachment theory, said it's an internal working model. Hmm. In other words, it's my model for how life works, how relationships work. Mm -hmm. I also look at it as a coping skill. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about different attachment styles. Uh, Three of them we call organized because they make sense. They're helping me cope. I see. They're not necessarily healthy, Mm. but it's how I figured out how to cope and how to yeah there's a rational connected. thread you can pull through that those sets of conclusions well but the funny part is it's emotional not rational oh i see um which makes it even fuzzier mm-hmm. <laughs> uh particularly if if you spent time studying cognitive behavioral therapy or some of these other things and it, it, we're we're just in an exciting time uh i don't mean to get off course I, I got a PhD from UT in 1992 mm-hmm. I went slow it took six years in those days you had to actually go to a library you know <laughs> what's that wasn't a bunch of online stuff you had to go to class uh, and I just had the briefest introduction to attachment theory mm-hmm. John Bowlby died in 1990 mm. so it was still pretty fresh yeah but we'll talk about some things. It It is becoming one of the most evidence-based uh, approaches to human development, human personality, relationships, um, mm-hmm. due to studies that have been developed. And lately, uh, the explosion of brain science yeah. that is validating and confirming some of the things that Bowlby just sort of had a gut feeling about Uh, yeah Yeah. so um it is so what we're talking about is um a formulation that a child makes based on interactions with a primary caregiver yeah and then how how does that formulation then move forward what what kind of shape does that take well um and again we're still learning this Mm -hmm. um Bowlby had the thoughts. In fact, the history of this thing, uh, I I told someone the other day, I can actually see the hand of God in it. Hmm. And that sounds weird because it's science. Hmm. Um, That doesn't sound weird to me at all. (laughs) In Bowlby's day, the prevailing wisdom was you don't have any emotional attachment to a kid. If they go to the hospital, mom and dad stay away. Hmm. You raise kids with a nanny. If they're crying, you let them cry it out. You don't comfort them. It makes them tough. Mm-hmm. And that was still kind of around when I was born. Dr. Spock was saying, don't comfort a child. Let them learn how to self-comfort when they're crying, mm-hmm. all of this. And Bowlby started doing research with fondling homes and 
orphans and realizing mm, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. And he he had all the concept and the theory, but he didn't have a model to to empirically substantiate it mm-hmm. until he met Mary Ainsworth. And that story is amazing, how she got where she was. She had gone through Uganda, where she originally did a version of her now famous study. So she was back in Baltimore at John Hopkins and put together a grant, and Bowlby came on over and met with her. And she did something that was one of the most phenomenal things in human development and psychology. She called it the strange situation. Okay. I don't know how far you want to go into that. Hey, it's uh, the, I think the strange situation task lays out the foundation really, really well. It so, does. Yeah. And it has been replicated more than any other study in psychology. Mm-hmm. It holds up. Yeah. Um, but here's what people don't really know. The strange situation was the end of her experiment. She recruited couples who were expecting children, and she recruited a staff to basically be in their home and observe mm. from pregnancy, birth, wow. infancy. And her motto was, we're going to get in here and help you raise a kid, do dishes, mm-hmm. so that you'll let us see who you are. Yeah. Okay? So then when they were about uh, 1 to 18 months, she got them to come to a lab. Mm-hmm. And it's a two-way mirror situation. Mm -hmm. And it went through eight basic steps where first the mom and the child came into a room, had three chairs and a lot of toys. So the child gets acclimated. Second one, a stranger comes in. Mm -hmm. Third one, mom leaves and the stranger stays. Mm -hmm. And then it went on uh, various permutations of that, including the babies left totally alone. Mm -hmm. So what she was watching was not just how the child reacted, but the mother. Mm -hmm. And she was really researching the nature of that relationship. Right. So, you know, you can get off in the weeds talking about the various ways these children behaved, but she's the one that took that and came up with some of the original attachment language. Okay. And she identified three. We now know there's a fourth one. Right. She identified... And these are attachment styles. Yeah. you hear the most... I push back on style a little bit because it's it's like some of these things we were talking about earlier, Enneagram, different things like this. Mm -hmm. A style sounds more like something I've chosen... (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Okay. I can I, change my style pretty quickly. Sure. I see what you mean. Um, it's a. It's written on my hard drive. Oh, I see. And Bowlby says, after about 18 months, it recedes so deep into the brain that it's not available to you immediately mm-hmm. on a extremely conscious level. I see. But it is my script for how to do this thing. Mm-hmm. How to live. How... Here's one way I understood it. Your attachment is how you learn to be a human being. Hmm. So it's really like the base disk operating system Mm -hmm. in your brain when it comes to relationships. Yeah. And so by attachment, attachment is 
how you attach to other people. That's connect right. Connect with other people. That's right. On all the levels that people connect with people. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, parents influence that. Mm-hmm. But it's the child that does the attachment and, and sets that up. Yeah. So there's, I guess, maybe still a, a nature-nurture question there, right? No. No? <laughs> it is nature and nurture. I see. Yeah, That's one of the things we're really seeing here. Mm-hmm. It's both. Mm-hmm. Um, we come in pre-programmed in our genes mm-hmm. with a lot, mm-hmm. and we know that. And even theologically, we understand that some things are generational, and, and you know we pick them up. Mm-hmm. But I've, I was listening recently to Dr. Alan Shore. Um, he knew Bowlby. He's a, a, a neuroscientist therapist out in UCLA, and he's talking about how these parenting behaviors and then interaction can actually change the genome. Wow! So fascinating. So yeah. okay, the the styles that uh, Ainsworth saw, she called the first one secure. Okay. The secure style, <laughs> pardon me, you get caught in these terms and it's uh-huh. hard to bring and you out. you don't like style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, the, you know, we can say style. I mean, shoot. Whatever. But yeah. <laughs> this is where there's two things that I know. I have a secure base to go out and explore mm-hmm. and a safe haven to return to. Mm-hmm. Okay? I feel... My parents love and care. They attend to my needs. When I cry, they show up. Mm-hmm. My mother especially is attuned because I was in her womb. Mm-hmm. And Shore has got all of this stuff about the right brain of the baby and the right brain of the mother. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the brain does about half of its total growth in the first 18 months. Huh. And scientists are talking about the first 1,000 days. Mm. But here's a cool point. The first thousand days start at conception. Conception. Oh, I see. <laughs> so there's even neonatal neuropsychology now. Yeah, sure. Because the baby is attaching. Mm-hmm. If mom's stressed, the baby's stressed. Mm-hmm. If mom's high, the baby's high. Mm-hmm. He identifies her voice. It mm-hmm. resonates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's already started, mm-hmm. and. Then the baby pops out. It's terrifying. It's, I like the womb. Uh-huh. Uh, I've gotten used what to am, this. What am I going to do? And if the parents can attune and be there, there's a safety from knowing, okay, my needs are going to be met. Eric Erickson, years before, said this was trust versus mistrust. I can depend on this. That's good. But then really where the secure attachment comes in, uh, Alan Shore says there are more cells in our brain devoted to interpreting faces mm-hmm. than language. Yeah. So it's not just my parents show up, change my diaper, and then leave. Mm-hmm. It's that I see on their face that they're happy to see me. Sure. It's joy. Mm-hmm. And Shore's one, others, and I buy into this, you can basically reduce all emotions to two. Fear and love. Wow. I saw a church once that said love is 
<laughs> greater than fear. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of that, huh? <laughs> but that's essentially what's going on. Mm. It's fear. Mm-hmm. And the secure child, uh, if, if mom leaves the room, gets upset, I want mom to be here. Right. I get that. There's comfort there. But when mom comes back, they reunite. Mm-hmm. They're right there. They calm. They calm. They realize mom's here, so I'm going to be okay. And then yeah. that becomes the script. So they grow up as highly stable adults. They can self-regulate. Mm-hmm. They can be by themselves. They can be in a relationship. They have a secure identity uh, in a marriage. They have no problem being an equal partner. They can give and receive. Mm. You know, you just the kind of person you want to be. Um, so a secure attachment style is it's kind of the goal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, the insecure, Ainsworth saw two. Okay. And, and I'm going to say we now see a third. Um. And I would encourage you just to have fun as a pastor. See what faces from your congregation come up when I describe these styles. Okay. And then just say their names out loud right yes, to the of microphone. Course. Of course. Yes. Got yes. it. <laughs> uh, we can clear that through legal. Um, the first insecure style, there's, there's different terms. It's anxious ambivalent. Mm-hmm. I kind of boil it down to anxious. What happens there is that child feels like mom and dad are there for them, mm-hmm. but it's kind of ambivalent. Um, when I'm acting up, they don't treat me real well. Mm-hmm. When I perform, they're there. I satisfy them. They're happy. Mm-hmm. That creates a lot of anxiety and very early, the child's script is, my job is to make them happy. Mm-hmm. That's when everything goes better. Mm-hmm. But I'm completely insecure in that, so I'm mm. always checking in. So things can be okay, but that has to be managed and maintained by the child yeah. based on their reactions. Well, consistency and predictability uh-huh. are two key things. Uh, I'm going to have a bad day. My parents are going to have a bad day. But the big picture is I'm good. Mm -hmm. This child, uh, not so sure. Mm. This child grows up to be in a relationship and be clingy. Mm. Check the text five times a day. Mm. Always got a finger to the wind. Am I still good here? Mm -hmm. Do you still love me? Am I still important? Do you make me feel important? Make Mm. me feel cherished. Right. Because you know. the things that you value relationally are subject to change. That's well, the expectation. Well, actually, it's, it's deeper than that. There's a fear. Mm-hmm. There's Anxiety is fear. Yeah. There's a level of fear that this isn't going to work out. I'm not going to make it. I can't relax. Mm-hmm. The secure person can relax. Mm. You know, my wife can come in, yell at me, have a bad day, and I don't like that, and we deal with it. But mm-hmm. I know I'm good. I'm, right. I'm connected. Right. Uh, insecure, anxious, and ambivalent never gets there. Never mm. feels like I'm good enough. Never feels like I've made it. So they're constantly looking for new tasks. Um, this, you know, this is the person at the at the 
church supper who's running around taking care of everybody and making sure everything's tucked in and stays late to clean up and mm-hmm. you know but then it's kind of like a dog <laughs> I get a pat on the head am, am mm-hmm. I okay um, uh, well anyway mm-hmm. the the next one she identified is insecure avoidant When that parent left the room, the child hardly noticed. Yeah. When the stranger came back in, the child engaged with them very comfortably. Mm. Stranger left, mother came back in. Eh, welcome back. Keep playing with the toys. Mm. Um, that mm. script, that coping strategy for that child became... Nobody's concerned about my emotions. I can't show emotions. Emotions are dangerous. Mm. When I show emotions, my caregiver doesn't know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. My caregiver might pick me up to comfort me, but is frowning, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so I I just don't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, here's what's fun in couples' work. Often, those two types marry. The anxious and the avoidant. Oh, I see. And one's, yeah, and they're opposites in some ways, aren't they? In EFT, we call them pursuers and withdrawers. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. The pursuer is always, make me feel connected, make Mm -hmm. me feel special. And it devolves into a protest over time. Mm -hmm. Instead of make me feel important, it's, I wish you spent as much time with me as you do that phone. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the same message, but it's Mm kind of, you know... The withdrawer, I don't do that. Uh That's not who I am. I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Back off. What do you want from me? Mm -hmm. Shuts down. Yeah. So the cycle becomes the pursuer raises the stakes. The withdrawer backs off even further. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. They come into therapy. I can't get him to share an emotion. I've never seen him cry. Uh He doesn't understand anything. But. That's the person that's go-to in crisis. Mm. And a lot of times that person is a male, and that gets really validated in our society, Yeah, particularly when you go into military. Mm-hmm. We don't need you showing emotion. Right. We need you to stuff that stuff down. Sure. Show up, do your work. These people are great about doing the work, and you hear this in therapy. Well, I show you I love you. I work two jobs. I'm out there 60 hours a week. What I else do you want? Right. You know? Yeah, um, they're mm-hmm. great in crisis. Mm-hmm. They'll step up and and show it. That makes sense, you know. Yeah. So those are those two styles. Um, I just want to. I remember it, maybe something I read about that last one, the um, the avoidant one. Um, so when the when the parent leaves, um, and then they return, they don't really react to the return. Yeah. But I'm I'm wondering if I remember this correctly because I thought it was fascinating. Um, the the child's emotions when they were able to actually test what was going on like in their vitals that they actually did react significantly to the parents return their heart rate increased they oh yeah they reacted in all the ways you would think but they didn't show it and that goes back to this thing is this is my script mm-hmm. for a handle life right that person has emotions yes human beings have emotions yes but the attachment is my schema, my plan, how mm-hmm. do I deal with these emotions, right? right? Yes. Um, 
So if you're picturing someone like maybe as you were describing that style and, and people are listening and thinking, oh, I know some people like that. And if you've concluded those persons, they have no feeling, they really don't care, they don't like, – that might not be the right conclusion to draw. Well, in, in um, couples therapy, and I brought this to kind of show it to you, we talk about the cycle. Uh-huh. Every couple that comes in is stuck in a pattern. Uh-huh. And when I describe it to them in the intake, they're like, you've been in our home <laughs> because we're all there. Right. Um, these attachment issues are deep, mm-hmm. particularly as you get older. I don't want to go there. I don't like it. Mm. So what comes up is the secondary emotions, the surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so here's how the cycle goes. My partner does or says something that triggers that deep attachment need. This happens in a nanosecond. It's beneath the level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. But that attachment need lives in in my midbrain. It doesn't have a sense of time. Mm -hmm. It's also where my threat sensor is, Mm. the fabled amygdala. Uh So when my threat sensor fires, my left brain frontal cortex goes offline. Mm-hmm. Rationality is not available to me. Yeah, I am in fight, flight, or freeze. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not even aware of this. It happens mm-hmm. in a nanosecond. That's right. In that same nanosecond, I give meaning to what my wife just said or did, uh-huh. and it's almost always wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then I react in a defensive way to the meaning that I gave. Yes. That swings around and triggers her. Mm-hmm. Nanosecond, fight on. or flight. Mm-hmm. She gives meaning to what I just did. Mm-hmm. So my job as a therapist is first help them see this cycle, mm-hmm. you know, and call it out. We're in the thing, you know. Um, and I encourage couples to put a funny name on it so that it can de-escalate uh-huh. I could tell you the best one but he might cut it out uh, there's a couple that calls their cycle the show okay well the show started okay that's the clue okay. alright yeah we know. we're missing something here <laughs> of we, let's back off uh-huh. but we begin our work with the withdrawer mm. and it is so tough because my job mm. is to get them to experience Experience those deep emotions, uh-huh. which have gotten really good at not experiencing. At getting oh my god, from. yeah, 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 and they're terrified about them. Mm-hmm. Don't know what to do with them. They don't have a script for handling them. Yeah, but that's what has to happen. Yeah, because their attachment style dictates that they handle it a different way. Yep, and you're trying to get them to basically override that. We want to is... move them towards secure attachment. Yeah, there we go. And that's a good point. Because the brain is malleable, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like a paradox, but attachment tiles or strategies are Mm -hmm. set. Mm -hmm. They're not going to change, but they can be changed. Okay. Say more about that. (laughs) With intentionality, with awareness, Mm -hmm. which brings up a question I think you're going to ask me. Should a person find out what is attachment? strategy is yeah i'm i am that's on the list (laughs) my question is absolutely Mm. but not through just some 
web-based six-question thing. Yeah, okay. And then with some intentionality, is this mm-hmm. the way I want to live? Yes. Because the attachment strategy dictates the nature of my relationships. Mm-hmm. And the more intimate they are, the more it dictates it. Mm-hmm. For instance, intimacy. Okay. You've probably heard this. Intimacy means into me you see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If I have an insecure attachment style, I don't want you to see that. Yeah. That's right. I don't know if I can trust you, if I'm secure, mm-hmm. all of those kind of things. Yeah. So it becomes vitally important, I think. Here, here's, here's something funny, and you and I had another conversation, and it kind of triggered it, about all these, these different psychological theories and formula and yeah, therapies. Yeah, modalities and yeah. styles of doing therapy. Yeah, here's very wh- confusing to me. Well, here's what I, I think is happening. Okay. <laughs> the old story of the blind man and the elephant. Okay, <laughs> yeah. One touches the tail, says, oh, that's what an elephant is like. Mm-hmm. One touches the trunk the leg, you know, all of that. Right. That's psychology. Mm. And the therapist who touches the tail, they stick in that channel. Mm -hmm. They get invited to speak in that channel. They publish material in that channel. (laughs) They got to stay in that channel. Mm -hmm. But the blind men are starting to get together and talk. Uh (laughs) Good. And now... Sounds like progress. Well, what I think is going to happen, and is even happening now is that attachment is going to become the meta theory mm. that pulls it all together. Interesting. And you're having people out there now like Dan Siegel, also out of UCLA. He's written a lot of the best-selling brain books, mind, uh, mindset, all that kind of stuff. Does a great one on mindful parenting. Mm. But what he says is he calls himself an interpersonal neurobiologist. Sure. Who who isn't one of those? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can get it online. It's a hundred dollars. But it's interesting because what he's saying first, interpersonal. He says there's no such thing as me or we. There is no complete mind without a relationship with the other, mm-hmm. and he's coined the word "moi." Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) And it's flying in the face. See, here's another Western thought thing, individualism. Right. Right. Stay away from codependency. Mm -hmm. But attachment says there's no such thing as individual, and you need to be dependent in a healthy way. You can't have a sense of self apart from interactions with others. We were created for connection. Yes. But that's also inherently dangerous, right? Because completely, people, we have to, in order to have a sense of reality, make ourselves vulnerable and available to the potential harms caused by others. But an insecure attachment mm-hmm. will not be vulnerable. Yeah, it kind of breaks out. They can't like, take that risk. Essentially, no, I was just they can't take that risk. Yeah, I, I'm desperately need to know that I'm validated, that that I'm important, that I'm mm-hmm. here. The uh, anxious, ambivalent, loves people, mm. cannot stand isolation and aloneness. Very mm. uncomfortable there. Mm-hmm. The anxious, avoidant, loves being alone, mm-hmm. time by myself. Right. Gets antsy in crowds yeah. and with people. So. 
So maybe just based on what you said, I'm going off note here, but uh, it sounds like maybe attachment could inform some of the introvert extrovert conversation. Completely. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the whole nature and nurture thing comes in. Some of these things are genetic. Uh And so nature provides that. But the nurture, that's where it all coalesces Mm -hmm. and comes together. Um, Reactive attachment disorder, Mm -hmm. RAT. You've probably heard of that. I have. I've done a lot of work with those kids and came to find that really I need to work with the parents. Hmm. And we have done a terrible thing. My son and daughter-in-law, who you know, they mm-hmm. adopted a uh, basically what you call a drug baby. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. got into uh, foster care, mm-hmm. and they got a call one night. We're on our way with a six-month-old girl. Hmm. And then they fell in love with her, and they adopted her. Yeah. And you say, well, okay, that should correct everything. Starting in the womb, Mm -hmm. these children feel unsafe, Mm -hmm. unprotected, terrified. They go into that fourth style or schema. The first two, three, are organized. Mm -hmm. They make sense to us. This one is called disorganized. All right, before you get into that. Let me just do a quick, just a quick summary so that people can stay with us. We're talking about the different attachment styles, one of which is a secure attachment style, yeah. and that's kind of, kind of the goal. It's kind of yeah. what you're, you're hoping for. Um, and then there are a couple of insecure attachment styles, which are the anxious and avoidant, or, and, and the other being anxious and ambivalent. And those are the two we said they, they tend to marry one another, and yeah. Yeah. one tends to be the pursuer, and the other more yeah. withdrawn. Maybe introvert, extrovert's part of that. So I think we sort of have maps for all of that. Um, just as a baseline, we can probably fill in quite a few blanks. Now we're talking about another one that you said it was discovered a bit later. And it kind of lives in a, a little bit of a different category. Unfortunately, it's becoming more common. Okay. It's uh, disorganized. Mm-hmm. It is anxious and, and uh, avoidant. Okay. But with no predictability. Does that mean they can sort of kind of cycle back and forth between the the, yeah, but the, with, the two other insecure attachment yeah, styles? Yeah, but you don't know what triggers it. But here, here's where that comes from, abusive and neglectful parenting. Okay. And that's on a scale. Mm-hmm. We talk about A, B, trauma. B is trauma that's caused by bad things that happened to us. A, trauma is caused by the absence of good things. Okay. So it can be mental abuse, emotional abuse, neglect. But what happens is, let's say, dad is happy and loves me and wrestles with me, and that's great, and oh, I feel connected, I'm attached. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow, dad's drunk and beating the crap out of me. Yeah. So the source of my safety is also the source of my fear. Mm. and I'm completely disorganized. Mm-hmm. I don't have any structured approach to how to deal with life. Yeah, because there's no structured approach to how they're being parented. No. Yeah. And we're just seeing more and more of that. Yeah. And that shows up in the brain science and mm-hmm. these things too. Um, 
And that's going to be a rich vein to sort of mine mm-hmm. in the coming years. Yeah. So, um, so those are the main styles, or you said something like strategies, coping strategies. Sure. Um, so that that's helpful. I want to go back to something you you referenced it a little bit earlier before the question of do I need to know what my attachment style or strategy is? Um, and you you were saying yes, but be careful about how you go about garnering that information or coming to that conclusion. Say more about that. If somebody's going, okay, I'm, I'm really intrigued. I don't know where I might land on that. I, I'm curious. I want to know what's what's a what's a, a prudent route to go about. Go okay, about um, first awareness. So you can be curious. You can look mm-hmm. around. But then you've got to say, now, what am I going to do with this information? What difference does this make? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, John Maxwell said the only person that likes change is a wet baby. Uh, <laughs> people don't want to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what? This makes me happy. You know, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it should be done carefully. You can do it with a book. But but just really apply yourself. Don't let it be an excuse. There we go. Because you want to go to the secure mm-hmm. attachment style, mm-hmm. right? You don't get to say, well, I don't do the romantic thing with you because I'm anxious avoidant. Right. No. Yes. Th- that doesn't work, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and as Christians, we have a real sense of hope that uh, the love of Christ at work within us can can help us transform who we are and how we move out into the world, right? Isn't that the story? That is the story. After yes. you get your ticket punched, you're going to heaven. Everything else is about that. Yeah, there we go. You can call it spiritual formation. Yeah. You know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, now in the process there, I jumped too far ahead. but No, that's fine. <laughs> we'll talk more about that. So um, if people are wrestling with this, if, I'm, if I can just say it back to you, I hear you're saying, uh, don't even bother if you're not motivated to change. Like if you find something, yeah. if you want to just maintain the status quo, then, then don't even bother. Okay, because here's the thing. Your coping strategy works. Uh, yeah, sure. It's that's, a learned reality. Well, that's why, let me, let me get off on another tangent. Almost every other approach to psychology, except for positive psychology, is a medical model. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. First, we've got to diagnose it, hence the DSM mm-hmm. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Um, and then we'll approach it with a medical-type solution. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. like giving diagnoses, giving labels, mm-hmm. you know. So we take the pathology out of attachment and say, the way you cope makes sense, uh-huh. but it's not helping you, Right. if, if that makes any sure. sense. So mm. if you don't want to go all in and deal with this, stick with it, mm-hmm. but it's going to affect who is attracted to you, mm-hmm. who you are comfortable with. It's going to affect all of those things. Yeah. Now, I'm biased. If this is coming up and it's a concern for you, particularly in marriage, go find a therapist mm-hmm. that has an attachment orientation. Mm-hmm. You don't want a therapist with a cognitive behavioral orientation because they're just going to say, okay, let's change some behaviors. Mm-hmm. That's up here. That's this level. Mm-hmm. For intimacy, it's got to be down heart to heart, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, 
and and there are more and more of us around. Mm-hmm. Um, my brand is called Emotionally Focused Therapy. It's developed mm-hmm. by Dr. Sue Johnson, a Canadian uh, scientist and therapist. She blends um, Carl Rogers' client-centered approach, mm-hmm. which says we're not here to teach you skills. Tell me what's going on. Mm. It blends uh, family systems theory. Yeah. And then it is heavy with attachment, mm. attachment issue. Mm-hmm. And so there are more and more of us out there. Yeah. Um, so, so don't approach it flippantly. Could be really helpful to talk with a professional with some specialization in that. And uh, if you, you know, if you're motivated to change um, and and experience more healthier relationships, then then this could be a really helpful path to take. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, this is if you're wondering, is this something that could be directly applicable? Um, what, I guess what you would do is evaluate the health of your relationships, right? Do I do I feel good about the connections I'm making with others? Yeah, and listen to the messages you're getting. Mm-hmm. If your partner is saying you're clingy, you're driving me crazy, I mm-hmm. can't get away from you, I can't answer 10 texts a day, mm-hmm. wait a minute, maybe my partner is anxious, ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. She mm-hmm. feels insecure. Yeah, and so you're in one of those cycles you were talking about. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or if your partner is telling you, I can never sit down and talk to you heart to heart. You never show any emotion. You never understand my emotions. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe I'm anxious avoidant. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to take a look at that. Yeah. You know, pick up those clues there. That's really helpful. So... um, I want to shift gears in just a minute and start talking a little bit about how this might affect our faith or how we yeah. how we move toward God. Um, but I, I want to just jump into li- dig in just something that you said earlier about about faces, about how a huge part of our brain yeah. functions in reaction to faces. And so um, I just wonder if you could, what does that say to us uh, about how we interact with one another, uh, what we can offer to one another? Uh, with nothing more than a than a response in our face, what would you say about that? I recently heard uh, a, a podcast with Dr. Jim Wilder. Mm-hmm. He is he calls himself a neurotheologian. Yes, he's a clinical psychologist with a theology master's degree. Mm-hmm. Really bought Alan Shore stuff and and merging this together. And they said the best thing you can do for your children in the morning, the last thing you do, look me in the eyes and smile as mm-hmm. big as you can. Mm-hmm. That smile. Mm-hmm. He calls the uh, right prefrontal orbital cortex, which is behind your right eye, he calls it the attachment center. Mm. Uh, Alan Shore uses a different term for the same thing. And it's the fastest growing part of the infant's brain. Mm. And what it feeds on is joy. Mm -hmm. If I see that you're happy to see me, Mm -hmm. that changes everything. Oxytocin starts flowing. Right. uh, uh, Cortisol steroids, you know, start going down. Mm -hmm. And oxytocin is the chemical that makes us feel connected to one another, or it's part of the chemistry. Yeah. And cortisol is stress. So 
So yeah. the idea yeah. is your stress goes down and your ability to connect interpersonally goes up on a chemical level Yeah, when you just see someone smile at you. Yeah. I think it was in, you've talked to me about Dr. Wilder before, and yeah. I think it was in one of his books I was reading that uh, um, our brains, let's see if I get this correct, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, um, once, six times a second, our brains survey yeah. our environment asking these two questions, am I safe and am I loved? Absolutely. Um, I like I like making complicated things stupidly simple. That's great. If you just think of your brain as a high road and a low road, okay. the high road only wants to be efficient. Mm. It doesn't have any morality. It doesn't care. Mm-hmm. This works. Let's go. I got breathing to operate, blood to pump. I don't need to mess around. I like to be efficient. Mm-hmm. Which is one reason breaking a bad habit is so difficult. Right. The because you developed it for a, possibly a good reason. And it's working mm-hmm. for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know? The lower brain, primarily the limbic system and the amygdala, all it cares about is avoiding threat and gaining pleasure. Mm-hmm. And as a side note, I've recently started to think that's what the Bible talks about when it says flesh. Sure. All yeah. it wants, avoid threat and gain pleasure. Sure. So when you have an insecure attachment style, your threat sensor becomes hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly scanning the environment for signs of stress or pain. Mm-hmm. So, hypervigilant. Hypervigilant, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we tend to find what we're looking for. Oh, that's well said, yes. Um. Here's a little analogy. If I called you at 9 o'clock tonight and said, Hey, Aaron, how many yellow cars did you see today? You'd say some version of, You're kooky. What's the matter with you? I wouldn't look for yellow cars. (laughs) But if I told you right now, I'm going to call you at 9 Uh o'clock and ask you how many yellow cars. You're going to do it now. I can't can't not look for them. can't not look for them, and they're there. Uh (laughs) That's right. So when... My scanner picks up a joyous face. Mm-hmm. That calms everything down. Yeah. The system de-escalates. I get regulated. I get calmed. Oh. And I think there's a pretty heavy theological reason uh-huh. that that smiling face makes me feel so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And why a frowning, scowling face. This is where it gets complicated with kids. Mom's feeding the kid, bathing the kid, dad's, you know, but they're scowling, they're looking at their phone, Mm. you know, and it's just those seconds of connection, and Mm. I saw joy on your face because Mm. you're happy to be with me. Yeah. that's If we walk out into the world with an understanding that the people around us are, six times a second is pretty constantly, they're constantly surveying for some sort of evidence that they are safe and they are loved and they will grab onto whatever evidence they find. Yeah. That what that says to me is a smiling face all by itself um is incredibly powerful and can change. It sounds so cheesy to say a smile can change someone's day, but it, it absolutely it really can. can. Think yeah. of the last time you were in a restaurant with a surly white person. Mhm. I don't have to think very I know, far back. I know. <laughs> My lower brain just starts getting pissed off. 
Uh-huh. Hey, I'm here. I'm buying. I'm a patron. I'm sorry I messed up your day coming to your restaurant. Right. If I could just stop that person and smile at them. Uh-huh. Say, hey, you got a tough job. Mm-hmm. I bet you get a lot of grouchy people here, man. Mm-hmm. You're doing good for me. Right. Chill out. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Can you even imagine the effect that might have? Huge. Huge. Yeah. And for the people listening to this who think, I could do that, but I, it would, I, I get nervous. I couldn't say a word. Obviously, it's really powerful to say words. But if you can just look and smile yeah. and, and be glad when they show up at your table. You know, yeah. I, I, one of my pet peeves is people who don't make eye contact with the people who are serving them. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe look up from the menu for just a second. Yeah. Make eye contact and smile. Sure. You'll A, probably get better service. <laughs> well, and B, you're going, you're, you could legitimately impact that person's day in a way that matters. Well, I believe, you know, fake it till you can make it. Uh-huh. If, if that's not who you are, do it anyway. Yeah. And it feels awkward and plastic, fine. Yeah. But do it. Sure. Yeah. You know, how many times do you smile at your kid when internally you'd like to strangle them? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, okay. I, I okay. can't relate to that on any level. Yeah. Your kids must be really difficult. But see, back to attachment, <laughs> it, it really, I mean, my parents have this stuff, but what really sets it up is how do I perceive it? Mm-hmm. How do I interpret it? Mm-hmm. That's where I start writing. And we script. have some choice in that. Right. Moving forward. Like yeah. it sounds like what you're saying is your attachment style is it's really deeply embedded, but you can use sort of that newer brain and maybe uh, inform uh, that low, that older part of your brain or that limbic part of your brain, maybe inform some of those reactions or 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 um, I, I guess what I'm saying is your attachment style what I, I think I'm hearing you saying is your attachment style does not have to be entirely predictive of how you respond in relationships. You you no, can you no. have some agency in it. And and I have a little phrase: your protection, which is your coping strategy, mm-hmm. becomes your prison. Oh yeah, yeah, that's helpful. And so there's an intentionality. Yeah, I keep the bad emotions out. Mm-hmm. But I also keep the good emotions out. Yeah, you miss out on relationships and the beauty yeah. they bring. Yeah. Yeah. And in some sense, you're safe, but, but you're imprisoned in the process. That makes sense. And this might drift toward the spiritual and theological connection. But guys like Dan Siegel, mm-hmm. total evolutionary. He, he attributes all this to evolution. Uh, uh guy named Swartz, he wrote a book called You Are Not Your Brain. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is your brain is meat. It's chemical reactions, electrical synapses, but you have a mind. Mm. And to hear them fumble around and try to that explain sounds what like a the soul mind or a is, spirit to me. It uh-huh. does, doesn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And they'll even say, train your mind to listen to your wise inner guide. Oh, so your soul. <laughs> <laughs> but this mind thing mm-hmm. has the can become the chairman of the board mm. that well put. helps and not only that functional MRIs, PET scans all these things are showing us that there is a physiological transformation mm. that happens part of the strength of the attachment is uh, something a guy named Hebb discovered 
years ago. It's called Hebb's Law. Neurons that fire together wire together. Mm. Okay. So if I get a smile from you and that triggers a neuron to produce oxytocin, Mm-hmm. The more that happens, the stronger that gets. Mm-hmm. If you think about a um, actual uh, physical wire circuit, mm-hmm. you know. But as you become aware, and this is where, for me, when I was thinking mindfulness and meditation was a little woo-woo, little, mm-hmm. um, you know, Buddhist, mm-hmm. now I'm beginning to see no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Sit, listen, listen to yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's biblical. Yeah. And the best thing I've heard for how do you change that heavily wired circuit mm-hmm. is this image. You hike in the woods every day mm-hmm. in the mountains. Same trail. You've hiked it so long you can hike it blindfolded. Mm-hmm. But one day you come to a bend and a tree has fallen down. And there's an incredible vista that you've never seen. Mm. Boy, I wish the trail went over there. Uh-huh. So you stomp through the grass, and there it is. Uh-huh. Next day you come up, and I'm going over there again. Uh-huh. So you don't break this one. Mm. You, re- you reconstruct a new one mm. until yeah. one day this is the well-worn path now. Sure. And there's some psychological tricks. I think you're talking about neuroplasticity, aren't you? Neuroplasticity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Points. Yeah. Points. The the mind does change. It It does change. Of course. And and so that gives us hope. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not just, well, this is the way I am. Yeah, that's good. You know, kind of thing. So let's talk about spirituality. So um, I'm just going to let you go. Talk about attachment, the reality that our minds work in this way, and... The fact that we are trying to also connect and attach to the one true God of love. Here's what's hilarious to me. It's like the yellow car. Once you see this in Scripture, you're like, Mm. it's been there all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't know it. It's good. So I'd start with this question. What being do you know that has existed in eternity in intimate relationship? Hmm. Yeah. The God correct the answer is God. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, distinct yet three in one, right? Secure relationship? That sounds very secure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What do we know about God? You can get off in the weeds with all the Old Testament stuff, but Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. God is Christ. Mm-hmm. Was Christ securely attached to his Father? Sure sounds like it. He wasn't mm-hmm. anxious mm-hmm. or ambivalent. He didn't feel a need to manipulate, to perform. Mm-hmm. One of the most moving passages, uh, the day he gets baptized, um, people heard the Father speak and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't done anything yet. Mm. Yeah. But he was already well pleased. Yeah, the smile of the Father. Yeah. Mm. Secure attachment. I can leave heaven. Yeah. I can descend mm-hmm. to this crazy place, but I know I've got a safe haven to return yeah. to. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Jesus mm-hmm. is the ultimate model of secure attachment. Wow. Yeah. 
And he didn't take the uh, anxious, ambivalent stuff from the Pharisees and the legalists. Mm-hmm. You, you do all this and you think that's going to make me say, okay, yeah, you're accepted, it's good. Mm-hmm. He didn't take the avoidant, you know, it didn't bother him. He sat with prostitutes. He said, mm-hmm. you know, he, did he care what people thought about him? I don't think so, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it starts there. So then here's the picture that I would love churches to get. When I'm born physically, here's this attachment thing. Mm-hmm. What happens when I'm born spiritually? Mm-hmm. When you're born again? When you're born again. Mm-hmm. I think we have not, we don't know how, we haven't emphasized that first thousand days. It's mm, good. To connect right brain to right brain. Mm-hmm. The model, and I did this, is left brain. We're going to put mm-hmm. you in a class and teach you a bunch of stuff. That's right. Then we're going to give you a couple of tests and figure out what your spiritual gift is. And then we're going to tell you about a bunch of disciplines to practice mm-hmm. and then go to work. Yeah. It's very cognitive. It's word-based, right? Cognitive it's and behavioral. Mm-hmm. It's based on what you do and what you know, mm-hmm. right? That's right. As I have studied this, I came to a shocking and painful awareness. In my 37 years, I did not have a secure attachment to God. Mm. Mm. God was there. Mm. But my image of God was flawed. Mm. Because I'm a fallen person. We live in a fallen world. Sure. My church didn't disciple anybody. You know, mm-hmm. and by church, I meant denomination, the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never had that opportunity to see the smiling face of God, to feel mm-hmm. that right brain to right brain connection, mm-hmm. to know that God is always happy to see me, mm-hmm. even when I'm in the middle of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Siegel in the parenting book has this concept connect then redirect Mm. that's what god does absolutely he connects first okay you're my kid you're all right Mm -hmm. you're going to heaven everything's fine but what are you doing here come Mm -hmm. on man that's how i know it's satan if it's condemning and brings Mm -hmm. up shame uh guilt all that stuff that's not god Mm -hmm. everything about him is drawing us together Mm -hmm. he has such a passion for me I like a verse out of Solomon. I am my beloved's, and his desire Mm. is for me. Yeah, that's right. What if there was a way that we could convince everybody of that? Mm. When you look around your congregation, you see some securely attached Christians. Mm -hmm. They're laid back. Nothing Mm -hmm. blows them over. They're Mm -hmm. happy. You know, they Mm -hmm. may not like the music, but who cares? I'm here. I'm I'm worshiping. (laughs) That's what I want to do. You see the anxious ambivalent. I'm the one that goes to praise services 10 times a week. I, I read my Bible more than anybody. I pray longer than anybody so and louder than it. anybody. And I'm going to, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. 
checking in. God, am I okay? Mm-hmm. I'm all right. Have I crossed the line somewhere? Mm-hmm. There's the anxious avoidant. I don't know if God's happy with me or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do the stuff. I was saying earlier before you came in, as a pastor, I could study the Bible all day long. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I could study prayer. I could teach prayer. I couldn't pray. Mm. It was so hard. Mm. I didn't have a model. I didn't have an understanding. It wasn't an emotional, deep thing Mm -hmm. that I am in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So how can this not affect our relationship with God? Sure. And when you see it, from the beginning, we screwed up in the garden. <laughs> I think I heard you say a few weeks ago, we had dominion over the earth. We gave it to Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God connected and said, I love you. Here's some clothes. Yeah. But then I got to redirect you. Yeah. Yeah. Because here we, here's where we go. Mm-hmm. And you can even see threads of grace in Leviticus. I mean, <laughs> uh you know, I'm not killing you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm showing you some stuff you can do, uh-huh. you know. Sure. But then when Jesus comes, mm-hmm. intimacy, into me you see, mm-hmm. am I known? Mm-hmm. He came in the flesh, mm-hmm. tempted every, every way we get tempted. Mm-hmm. When I say I'm embarrassed, Jesus says, yeah, I, I felt that once. Yeah. Maybe that's a bad example, but... Mm. Well, that's when that's when the father became Abba, right? When yeah. we became daddy. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you then. I think people can hear about attachment styles and go, well, um, I was an infant. I have no, <laughs> I can't change that. And what we just said, and we've said it, is that, hey, that, that goes real deep. That's, that's, that's deep. That's a fundamental thing. Um, and you, we don't get to rewrite our history because that goes all the way back to when we were born. But what I hear you saying is that when we're born again, we're able to attach to something else, to our Heavenly Father. And when you didn't say this, but I'm sort of interpreting, that actually goes even deeper. Much deeper. So if we say how we attach and our attachment styles or, or approach based on what we learned from our parents will then dictate how we respond to other people forever and that and then it has these cascading impacts of all of our relationships because it but if you go to something even more fundamental then that can in a real way uh reshape how you not only connect with god a healthy connection what i'm saying is a healthy connection to god a healthy attachment to god can impact how you move into every single relationship regardless of your attachment style absolutely there we go Good. What we go <laughs> I was for, hoping you'd say that. <laughs> what we go for in emotionally focused therapy is what's called a corrective attachment experience. Mm. And you can have those. Mm. It's not a pathology, but it is a wound. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be healed. Yeah. And Satan invades those wounds and plants all kind of bad things mm-hmm. that are lies that we come to believe, well, you don't pray. Mm. Call yourself a Christian. You're not a Christian. What are you Mm. talking about? Look at that guy over there. 
he's obviously more emotional in worship today than you. How could you possibly be a Christian? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and, and, and wounds of I got hurt, mm-hmm. so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a vow. By God, that'll never happen again. Mm-hmm. I'll set up a defense. Mm-hmm. And Satan says, that's cool. I like that. I call that a stronghold. Mm-hmm. And I'll drive you nuts from mm-hmm. there. Yeah, well said. And, and all of those insecure attachment styles, state, Satan just loves that. Yeah. You know? Um, well, they're open loops, things that he can hook onto and yeah. manipulate. Yeah. yeah. And then we get in kind of a cycle with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we misinterpret. What did he say? What did that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get defensive. Mm-hmm. We fight back. All of those kinds. Of, only God has a absolutely clear understanding of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been given some thought. What what would this look like in a church? Yeah. First of all, by the concept, not a fad. Mm. Here, here's something Jim Wilder said. He, he used an analogy. If you go out to get in your car, it won't start. Mm-hmm. So you call in a mechanic. Guy says, well, your problem is your ignition system. Let's replace it. Won't start. Your problem is your uh, transmission. Let's mm-hmm. replace it. Won't start. Then mm-hmm. a guy comes by with a gallon of gas and pours <laughs> it in the car, and it starts. Uh-huh. He said gas represents in a church that thing that worked for us uh-huh. and so then we assume well that worked for them that's going to work for us and we mm-hmm. spin off into all of these fad approaches mm-hmm. to youth ministry to discipleship to where you name it mm-hmm. you know sure we got pentecostal preachers sweating and spitting and we got guys in jeans sitting on stools mm-hmm. and having conversations mm-hmm. but he sees it as kind of a Era, era. Okay. He said in the Enlightenment, it was all about thinking. Mm-hmm. Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. So knowledge, information, mm-hmm. that became the thing. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1600s, a guy named Ames said, no, it's got nothing to do with it. It's how do you behave. He wrote a book called The Marrow of Theology that became the second Bible to pilgrims. Mm. If they had one book, it'd be the Bible, the other would be his. Puritanism mm-hmm. morphed into the holiness movement. Mm-hmm. It's about doing. It's about being holy. It's mm-hmm. about what you don't do. Mm-hmm. And then came a movement that was about power. Mm. Pentecostalism, charismatic. No, it's not about the information that you have, and it's not about how you behave. Mm-hmm. Do you have power? Mm-hmm. And I think that became like a hack in a computer game, a shortcut to get the real deal. Yeah. Why do I have to grow and mature sure. and do all these things? I just get the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, and wacko, I got power. Mm-hmm. But Wilder says this is the early stages of the next thing where what it's all about is intimacy with God mm-hmm. and attachment. Wow. And then all of that flows out of it. And his point was, you may need the transmission. You may need the ignition system. Mm-hmm. You definitely need to think. You mm-hmm. definitely need good theology. Yeah. You need to behave certain mm-hmm. ways. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a secure attachment doesn't mean you can behave any way you want to. Mm-hmm. A secure attachment means you understand consequences. Sure. And you get it. And yeah. you can become self-disciplined. Mm. Spiritual disciplines are no longer a burden. Yeah. And, a, okay, God, I checked the list. I got all these. I did these. Tell me I'm good. Mm-hmm. Now it starts with God smiling at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're a delight. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Larry, there's nothing that bothers me more than a preacher who always wants to say, oh, yeah, I just did a sermon about that. But, man, I just did a sermon about that? <laughs> uh, well, been, wait a minute. Do you think at... that's coincidental? <laughs> I hope not. We, we've been looking at Ephesians 3 and Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, that they would be just empowered. and But then the whole thing is so... He, I, and now I can that I realize what we're talking about is attachment. We it's the whole every, it's thing the is yellow about car. us being um, uh, experiencing God's love, accepting God's love, being deeply rooted in God's love, understanding, having a supernatural capacity to understand God's love, and um, and and what it, it, uh, language that could be used as a shorthand really for that is a secure attachment to God, and then out of that comes what you were saying earlier: the power. That the power comes. If it, it comes healthily, it remains healthy. If it's rooted and rooted and grounded, and people, frankly, being just dumbstruck and stup- stupefied by how much God loves them, absolutely. Yeah. And the power is God; it's not me. Mm-hmm. And through my attachment, I mm-hmm. understand that I have authority. Yeah, yeah. you know. That's right. But the authority is like Barney Fife's badge. Mm. He's a skinny runt, but he can stop a big Cadillac, you know? Well said. So it's it's not me. Well but said. Paul even says his prayer. I did a sermon series once on the prayers of Paul mm-hmm. for the church, mm-hmm. that you would be strengthened with might in your inner man. Inner being, that you would right. know. Mm-hmm. know. It's an inner work before it's an outer work. We talked about that a while. And and it is about, as you said, knowledge. That's right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it it. You can hear Paul say that's not through a seven-week discipleship class. That's right. That's through... It's um, deeper well, than information transfer. Okay. Mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. I know you had some interest in that. Like most things in science, it was an accident. It was discovered in a little lab in Parma, Italy. Hmm. They had a macaque monkey wired up, mm-hmm. stuff in his skull, in his brain, <laughs> watching on an MRI, watching his brain as he ate, Mm -hmm. okay? He finished eating. A lab tech walked in, and I've heard nuts, and then I've heard apple, but let's say apple. He pulled an apple out and started eating it, and the same neural pathways lit up in the monkey as Mm. when he was eating. Mm. Yes. You know? So if I do (laughs) this... It has no meaning to you. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. light up anything. Right. But if I do this, uh-huh. you've picked up a water bottle before. But see what happens to you when I do this. And you drink from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a different experience. Mirror neurons. But Wilder says it's more than that. Mm. He calls it a mutual mind state. Mm. And you have it with your wife. Mm-hmm. 
you have your little secrets, little things. If you're in a group and somebody says something, you look at each other and you go. Mm-hmm. All the ways that we communicate non-verbally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's literally a communication. Oh, yes. It's a mutual mind mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And he says, we develop a mutual mind with God. Mm. Let this mind be in you. Yeah. The, having the mind of Christ. Having yeah. the mind of Christ. Yeah. Interesting. Why wouldn't the God who created this amazing brain mm-hmm. know how to use it? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you know? He didn't have to discover mirror neurons. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and and Jesus and the Father, mm-hmm. come on, mutual mind. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was there. And, and, you know, we see that kind of developing between individuals and God, but we see it in... Christian fellowship and community. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not in the big Sunday services, mm. but in smaller, committed, safe, secure, loving, mm-hmm. attached groups, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So back to what you were saying, somehow, it, it, this is my bias, and I'm not lecturing to a pastor because God knows you're cutting edge, you're out there, you're thinking about these things preaching sermons about them. Um, I think the stage one would be awareness. Mm. Introduce this concept to the congregation. Preach on it. Teach on it. Pass out material. Recommend books. People, Mm. oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get that. Uh, Spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. The, The church either goes off the road on the right by saying everything's spiritual warfare. Every headache is a demon. Yeah. Or it goes off on the left by saying, "Ah, we stay out of that. Right. We don't do that." Yeah. So, so you 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 try to help, but once you see spiritual warfare in Scripture, you can't unsee you can't it. Unsee it's it. That's it's right. there. Mm-hmm. So let's see this attachment piece. Let's see what it is. Mm-hmm. And then we have prayer. People that really know how to pray, mm-hmm. not the old Pentecostal monologue prayer. Yeah. So you can do it the loudest and the longest. (laughs) God, help our congregation to receive this stuff. Open their heart. Open their mind. Mm -hmm. Let them get it. Mm -hmm. And then classes. But ultimately, it would be a small group that was intentionally focused on growing our attachment to God, Mm -hmm. becoming more secure with Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would. I agree. The awareness of being being step one. Um, uh, our default, as we sort of referenced earlier, um, and if for people who might be curious and want to look into this more, there's a book called "You um, You Are What You Love" by James K. A. Smith, which is a, it's a little bit of a difficult book, but it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, basically, we default in our context. In you know post enlightenment reality, we default to information transfer as discipleship. And if we could just so the awareness piece would all right. Let's do let's do one more piece of information transfer. Let's transfer this information. It's not first and foremost about information transfer. <laughs> it's about a profound connection of love with the Father. And from that in, and down that pathway, we can transfer lots of information. But it's about a secure attachment first. Yeah, and it's about learning how to 
create corrective attachment experiences in the mm. church, mm. you know? In prayer, this stuff affects your prayer. If you're anxious, ambivalent, you can read the Bible and study the Bible, mm. but when people say, we're going to pray for an hour, oh. <laughs> or maybe it's, okay, great, I'm going to be one that prays the loudest and uh -huh. prays the longest, you uh -huh. know? But now with a secure attachment, I don't have to prove anything to you, God. I'm, mm. I'm not doing prayer as a check on the mm. behavioral list. Mm. I'm here because I like hanging with you. Yeah. And because you show up and you smile at me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And imagine how that could change mm -hmm. things, yeah. you know? Um, also, here's something I would literally do. I would start classes for pregnant couples hmm. to teach this stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's the parenting that's going to help you raise a securely attached child. Mm -hmm. And that's another whole interview. But put mm. that in their heads. This yeah. is it. I'm actually... It's a good thing that's not a controversial subject, yeah, parenting. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. The only yeah. part that's not a controversy is there's no way to do it right, and mm. you're going to be guilty your whole life. Uh-huh. <laughs> but parenting's like so many things. People get a piece from the web, a piece from this, mm. a piece from that, and then mm -hmm. they go to scripture and get the wrong pieces. <laughs> but a real, yeah. a real, I, I do it for marriages too. Mm. If you're going to get married, we want you to sit and look at this attachment factor, mm -hmm. figure out who you are, this how we love book, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. so that when you say something or do something to your partner and the reaction is huge, mm -hmm. you realize that you touched a wound. Yeah, there's a reason for that. And yeah. you got all of it, mm -hmm. you know? But the parenting thing, here's mm -hmm. what's so important. First thousand days. Mm -hmm. And the evidence seems to say it's mom. Mm -hmm. And something happens about year two, it transfers over to dad. Mm -hmm. And dad influences the left brain development. Interesting. And the rough and tumble and, the, uh -huh. you know, all of that comes in. Uh -huh. You know, so that's not out of the picture. Of course Either not. way. Right. So I'd look at how do we, how do we get ready for marriage? How do we uh, provide parenting stuff to our, our people? And not just pregnant people, but people who say, my teenagers drive me nuts. What's going on? <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, sit down. Mm -hmm. Let me help you kind of see what's happening here. Right. You know? Right. Um, and and then opportunities to learn your attachment strategy the best way that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Right. Not necessarily a flat-out professional, but, mm -hmm. you know, there could be any number of ways you could deliver that to people. Right. Um, and put that into now we understand why all the spiritual gifting, you know, mm -hmm. is, is sort of out of synchrony. Mm. Synchrony is a good word. You get everything synchronized, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And the spiritual and the work and the relationships and the whole thing starts to come together. Yeah. Um, Deeper Walk International provides uh, training for what they call journey groups. Okay. And this is the idea. We're on a journey toward secure attachment. Yeah. And the program is set up that mm -hmm. way. You know. Yeah, so if people are interested, 
there are a lot of resources that are available out there. You don't they're, have to dig too deep. No, to find them. They're out there, but they're not ubiquitous yet. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was pastoring in Yakima in the nineties. Took my staff to hear this guy that was fresh on the circuit called Rick Warren. <laughs> we went back, spent okay. a year doing purpose-driven church. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not what you do. That became mm-hmm. ubiquitous. Uh-huh. I think it will because mm-hmm. I think that attachment is the revolution going on in science, mm-hmm. sociology, even biology. The body keeps the score. Uh-huh. And right. I think it's just coming to the church, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Let me give you my favorite passage of Scripture on attachment. Okay. Matthew chapter 11 mm. really represents a turning point in the book of Matthew. After that chapter, they seriously start coming after Jesus. Mm. Until then, he's just been provoking them and aggravating them. <laughs> and he talks about the heavy yoke mm. that they've put on you. Mm-hmm. And then he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, mm-hmm. and I'll give you rest. Mm-hmm. That's a gift that's granted. Mm-hmm. He said, take my yoke upon you. Yeah. Learn of me, mm-hmm. and I will give you rest for your souls. Mm-hmm. Think about being in a yoke with Jesus. Yeah. That's attached. Yeah, it is. And here's the thing. Everybody's attached to something. It's mm, good. Yeah. And for those who may not know, a yoke is, is literally something that connects usually two oxen together right. when they're pulling something in unison. So it literally is an attachment that keeps two things together so they pull together. That's right. Okay. So sharing a yoke with, the, with Jesus. But that's their purpose. Yeah. And Jesus says, you've got a purpose too. Mm. Here's a whole other thing, but I believe addictions mm. are counterfeit attachment sure, sources. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. If my heart is filled with joy, mm. I don't need to get drunk. Mm. I don't need these other things. Mm. But that pain is so awful. This right. helps me. It's a false joy. It's a false joy. Yeah. The yoke says, you have a purpose, mm. but I'm in it with you. Yeah. That's so and good. my burden is easy. Mm-hmm. I understand what that means is the yoke is perfectly fit so mm. that it's comfortable, doesn't yeah. irritate. Yeah. And my burden's light. Mm. I don't have a yoke of legalism, mm-hmm. uh, behavioral modification, religiosity. You know, it's just me and you doing what? Mm. You're joining me. Are you ready for this? In the renewal of all things. <laughs> you know I don't mind that phrase at all. <laughs> yeah. And you talk beautiful. about secure. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to seriously renew all things. That's and you're right. going to be right there with me. That's right. And when you need me, just look over. I'm right there. I'm in the yoke. I'll never leave you mm. or forsake you. Yeah, man. Right? Oh. Larry, that's so, so good. Um, I, I can't... I can't think of a better place to stop because that sounds good to me. That's a great, a great, uh, a great conclusion. Um, for those who may be curious, that's Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
you could probably go back and listen to Larry's words a few times on that one. Uh, there was there was a lot there. Thank you so much. That'll preach, as they say. That will preach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time to share your expertise and, and help teach us a little about this. Mm-hmm.